Thank you. All right, let's take our Bibles this evening. Let's go to the book of James, all right? James chapter 5 is where we will be as we're quickly wrapping up our study through this book together. And again, I just want to encourage you to continue to pray for me and God's leading in this direction as far as the next uh, book to study through, uh, book of the Bible that is, or uh, subject of study through the Bible. And just pray with me if you will, all right? And what God will have us to go to, uh, go to next. And we'll be starting that study the, probably if, as things fall into place right after, right after our missions conference, all right, on Wednesday evenings. But just help me pray about that, and I'll greatly appreciate it. But this evening, as we come back to the book of James, I just want to, again, remind you of what James is doing, all right? James is writing to Jewish believers, and these believers have largely been scattered from their homes uh, due to the persecution that they are facing, uh, which at this time was probably the first wave of persecution, all from the hands of the religious crowd, political crowd of, of the day, all right? And, uh, but as you read this book, keep in mind that he is writing to people who are going through a lot, Christians who are hurting, uh, Christians who are struggling, they're suffering, absolutely confused, and they need a lot of help. And so Pastor James, he's trying to do just that. He is trying to encourage these people. He's trying to help these people. He's trying to instruct these people uh, during this difficult time they are facing, all right? So keep that in mind as we go through the book of James and as you read it for yourself uh, as well, all right? But as we come to chapter 5 this evening, we need to know and be reminded that uh, James is concluding this letter, all right? He is concluding this general epistle of the Word of God. And as he does, he gives what we call uh, concluding uh, commands, all right? Concluding commands. And again, this will be very typical of the New Testament writers. Uh, they would do this often. Uh, Paul did this uh, often. Uh, probably the most notable of his uh, concluding commands you can find in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 through 22 when Paul said, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, so we know a lot of the New Testament writers would do that. They give these concluding commands at the end of, of their letters. And James is doing the same. He is concluding this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to these scattered Jewish saints. And we saw this one last time as he does so, this bold command he gives them in verse number 12. Look at it with me when he says this. Just be reminded about it quickly. But he says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, as we saw this command last time, we took note of the overall gist of the command, if you will, uh, that it's this, that let your nay be nay, your yea be yea, meaning let your lives, let your testimonies, let your integrity uh, be so clear and clean that your word is your word. That your word is your, is your bond. There shouldn't be any need for oaths or contracts uh, that are put in place to keep people honest because why? Christians should be honest and have enough integrity about themselves that their word 
is their word, and you can take them at their word. Amen. All right, very good, okay? So he saw that last time as he's concluding this letter, or that concluding command. But as we move on, I want to read verses 13 through 18 and see another command that he gives. And it's a very simple one. It's one that Paul gives as he concludes his letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, but it's a very simple command that he gives, yet very powerful. It's a very important command that he gives, yet if we're honest with ourselves as believers, we're tempted to neglect it and neglect it often. But the command that James gives is this one. you got to pray. we got to pray. That's what he's getting at in verses 13 through 18. So let's look at, look at it together. In verse 13, the Bible says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Our fathers, we look to your word. Really, this one subject this evening, we're not going to get past it very far at least. Help us, I pray, to be people who pray. Be people of prayer. Church that prays. God, burden our hearts for this matter of prayer. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you read these verses here, these six verses, there's no doubt there's a common theme, and it's this matter of prayer. You see, in just six verses, you will find the word pray or prayer seven times in six verses. And be reminded again that when the Scripture repeats itself, when God repeats Himself through His Word, understand He does not do that because He forgot what He said. He doesn't do that just to feel some, uh, uh, some words. Like when you have, a, you, have a, you have a paper due, it's a 500-word paper, and you come down to like got 467 words, and you got to fill out the rest, and so you put in a few ands. And that, and no, that's not what it's for, all right? He's not wasting words like we would do. No, when, when God repeats himself through the word of God, understand he does so for emphasis and so that you and I don't forget. Especially when you come to the end of a book, end of, of a letter. Now remember, this letter had been read to the church, read to the believers. And when you come to the end of that's what you're more apt to remember, yes? That's why it's highly important when, when you teach, when you preach, that important point you're trying to get across to people, you keep that for the last one. Why? Because that's what they're going to remember. It's important. And so when you come to the end of a letter like this, the end of a book, and you see this repeated seven times in six verses, I think we ought to pay attention, don't you? And what he's trying to get across to us is this. We need to 
pray. Now let me ask you a question <clears throat> this evening. Who here thinks, <clears throat> who here thinks they have mastered the art of praying? Anybody? Okay. If one of you raised your hand, I was going to ask you to teach me. Okay, really. Because this is, honestly, I'm going to be honest. You want your pastor to be honest, yes? Okay. Are you good? I'm going to be honest. This is an area that I struggle. I struggle in this area. I, I feel oftentimes like a complete failure. There are times when I, was, when I sit down or kneel down to pray, and I don't even know what to say. But I know I need to. I don't know what to there are times I get up on my knees and I pray and pour out my heart to God and feel as if it's not even given above the roof sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Too many times I feel like an absolute failure in this area. Now, we know that God hears and answers prayer. It doesn't matter how we feel about it. We know that. I'm thankful for that promise and that assurance in Scripture that He hears us, He answers us. It may not always be the answer we want, but He will answer us nonetheless. But still, many times I can identify with the disciples when they were, uh, when Jesus invited those inner, inner circle to pray with him. And as Jesus went a little bit further away and, and knelt down and prayed and poured his heart out, when he came back to the disciples, they were what? They were asleep. And he looked at them and said this in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, so many times I, I feel inadequate when it comes to, to prayer. But... I know without a shadow of a doubt the great importance and power that lies within God's people speaking to their God. We need to be people who pray. And if we're not, then I know this. We can't move forward. If we are people who do not pray, there is no way we can grow even in of ourselves as far as spiritually growing in the Lord. There's just no way. It has been said oftentimes, and I truly believe it, the only way the church advances forward is on its knees. I believe that. We've got to pray. Listen, a prayerless Christian would be like this relationship. It would be like a husband and a wife who, well, they never Talk to each other. Now, some of you might think that's heaven. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, if you do, I, I highly encourage you never to voice that and never say amen right there, all right? Uh, because if you do, I'm going to preach next Wednesday on, on why you wives should not kill your husbands in their sleep, all right? But anyway, <clears throat> but that's what it's like. A believer who doesn't pray is like a spouse who doesn't talk with their spouse. It's like a spouse who never communicates. And by the way, our spouse should be the very one that we love the most on this earth. And yet, if you don't speak to them, are you showing your love to them? Nah. But yet... A prayerless Christian who does not communicate to their God is just like that. And any kind of relationship that would be nonverbal, if I can say it that way, could be consistently and constantly be a relationship that would be frustrating. Uh, one, where one or the other would be angry. Uh, one that would be irritating and irritated disconnected, detached one from another. In short, that relationship be a relationship in name only and definitely not in practice. 
Now, I guess you'd all agree with me that would be a terrible relationship to have, yes? But yet we're tempted and many times do this with our relationship with the Lord. We fail in this area of, of praying. I'm convicted over it. I don't pray near enough as I need to and should. We need to pray. And this could be why many believers are so irritated today. They're so disconnected today because they're just not in step and in tune with the God they claim to know. We need to be people who pray. We need to be a church who prays. We need to pray. So as James writes to these believers about prayer, there are a few things I want to point out. And just, just, just so you know this evening, we won't get past the first point, but there's a few things I want to point out that James points out when it comes to this matter of praying. Okay, First one is this. Number one, I want to see the command of prayer. The command of it. Now as James writes to these believers, he is fully aware of what they are facing. He, he knows about their affliction. He knows about their suffering. He knows that many of them, even even addresses it, many of them are sick. Yes, physically sick. Many of them are sick. They're suffering, going through the ringer. He knows all about these things and even more. And listen, when we go through these times of life, of suffering, of sickness, of affliction, when we go through these difficult times of life, what can be some of the first uh, initial reactions of, of these times, these initial responses? What can be some of the first initial responses to trouble or difficulty. Someone tell me. Fear? Yep. What else comes to mind? I'll tell on myself. You ready? Anger? Yeah, I know you wanted to say it, but you didn't want to tell on yourself. That's right. I know. Anger? Frustration? What is it? Why me? Qu questioning? What would you say, mister? Worry. Oh, yeah. Worry. Bitterness. Complaining. Gossip. Get on the phone, tell, start telling others all about our worries and troubles and woes and get on Facebook. When the Facebook says, tell me what's on your mind, you actually do it. By the way, get yourself in trouble. All right, just be careful of that. And the vast majority of people don't care what's on your mind. They just want to see pictures of your kids or your pets, all right? They don't care what's on your mind. Maybe one person out there, maybe gossiping ginger, wants to know what's on your mind so she can take that little nugget and go to her salon and spread it all around. Maybe you'll be a blessing to her at least. I don't know, but anyway. Uh, I don't know who ginger is. I'm just making all that up, okay? <laughs> but, but you know what I'm getting at. When it comes to these times of life, when it gets so, they can be frustrating, they can be just irritating and going through difficulty, our first response is just blah, you know, just explode. But this cannot be what we do. Understand James knows what they're going through. He knows their affliction. He knows their situations. But he doesn't sit down and write to them to fuel their pity. He doesn't sit down to, to write to them and emphasize their problems. He doesn't emphasize their problems. He, he just uses general words like anybody afflicted? That's for general. Anybody sick? That's quite general, right? 
But he doesn't emphasize their problems. He actually wants to help them, and he does so not through a three-step program or a self-help book or some kind of self-medicating or whatever you want to call it these days. No, he sits down, and several times at the end of this letter, he says, you got to pray. We need to pray. Verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray. And verse 16, pray one for another. And listen, each time he says this, he's not giving a suggestion. Understand. He's not even asking for their permission when he says let him. That's not, he's not asking permission there, okay? He's not. No, no, he's not even giving some kind of modal motivation. No, he, or, or motivation. He, he is trying to command them to pray. But the question we got to ask and answer for ourselves is this. Are we obeying that simple command of one of the most important things in all of Christian life of praying? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. And Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable unto them, this in that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Do you pray? I'm not asking. I'm not asking. Should you? <laughs> we all know we should. I'm asking, do you? We know we should pray, but do you? We know the Bible teaches us to pray, but do we? We know the Bible even commands it, but do we? You know, so much can happen <clears throat> when, when a person gets along with God and just prays. So much can happen in a small prayer meeting with you and God or you and a couple people and God or even... Even like this tonight, what we call our prayer meeting. So much really can happen as we get together and we pray. I've read stories of years gone by of different things that came out of prayer, of a prayer meeting, of, of just one person praying, of, of just a few handful of folks praying, and even others gathering large crowds together to simply pray. So many things happened through little prayer meetings. Have you ever heard the name George Williams? Well, he and five of his college dormmates began to pray together. And over time, many would join them, but from that little prayer meeting of just six guys for so long, from that little prayer meeting, this was born, the YMCA. He said, man, they built a gym out of prayer. And that's not what the YMCA was initially. No, the YMCA was a young men's Christian association, but it all came from a prayer meeting. There was an invalid woman who prayed for two years that D.L. Moody would come to England and preach the gospel. But it would be from this lady's dear prayer meeting with her God that would be the start of D.L. Moody's world travels where it says he took two continents for God and shook them for God and where it, where it is recorded that over a million people will be pointed to, pointed to the Lord. 
C.H. Spurgeon was a man who was mightily used of the Lord. Thousands were saved under his ministry. And today, many people, we, including myself, have the opportunity to read his sermons and even lessons because he wrote them all out, all right? I do the same. Some people think that's weird and strange and God's not in it. Well, I don't believe that, okay? But, but he wrote them all out. We had the privilege to read them and today, and I'm thankful for that. But when he was asked what was the key to his success, I've seen all these people come to the Lord and see, see the, uh, the tabernacle grow to great, great lengths and great numbers. When asked of his success, he said this. He said, well, it's simple. My people pray. My people pray for me. Jeremy Lamphere was a businessman who started a noonday prayer meeting on Fulton Street in New York City. When he first started the meeting at noon to pray, he was only joined by just a few, few, a few folks but then, time after time, more would show by dozens, eventually by hundreds, and within six months, 10,000 people were gathering daily for prayer in New York City alone. This would eventually would start a prayer revival that would cross the nation and even around the world. It is said on the Isle of Lewis, two elderly women and five men met in a barn to pray on Tuesday and Thursday evenings, and they did this for months. But it would be out of this prayer meeting that would give birth to the new Herbides revival in Scotland in 1949 that lasted to 1953. But it is said that during that revival, the presence of God was so real that men would fall upon their knees in the middle of the road as they were traveling just to get to the meeting. They'd fall upon their knees and call out to God for mercy before they even got to the meeting. People were getting saved before they got to church. The power of God, the presence of God was so real and so evident at, at this time and on this island and, and, and there in this, uh, with these people. And everybody knew this was God working. But thousands of people were impacted. But how did that happen? Where did it start? Just, just a prayer meeting. Just praying. I say it simply, but we know the importance and power behind it. We just need to pray. Just normal people, everyday folks like you and I, getting together and talking to extraordinary God. Ordinary people calling out to extraordinary God to do extraordinary things. Some folks will say, yeah, well, preacher, that was years ago. Those are the good old days. There's too much sin, wickedness today, times. Well, preacher, times have changed. There ain't no way it can happen today. All right. Well, thank you very much, pessimistic Peter. I don't know who that is either. All right. <clears throat> Appreciate that encouragement, though. I've heard that said before by preachers. <clears throat> now what they say is true though. God did some amazing things in the past and they can look back at them and say they're the good old days they want to. That's fine. And yesterday, the men, the Bible says so. Men are going to get wit more wicked. Uh, the Bible says that evil men and seducers will wax. They'll grow, get worse and worse. Times do get worse. They've gotten darker, of course. Sin is not hiding anymore. We know that. And times have changed, but understand something. Though times have changed, God has not. 
Our great God in heaven has not changed. He has not relinquished his power. He still answers prayer. And he, listen, is still able. Do we need to sing the song? He is able. No. Because <laughs> he is, I'm telling you. He's still able. The Bible says, Hebrews 13, verse number 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hadn't changed a bit. So what has? It's not God. Could it be God's people? That we've become too, I was talking to somebody this week about it, another man who was talking about missions overseas and how folks are so receptive and just open, hungry and thirsty for the gospel and the word and he said, it's his estimation that they're so hungry and thirsty over there because they've been in darkness so long, they're not used, used to the light, you see. And then he pointed out the fact that here, we've been exposed to the light, the light of the gospel that is, for so long that we've gotten accustomed to it and used to it. That doesn't move us and affect us. It once did. And he's talking about Believers. God, help us to pray. I'm asking the Lord to help us burden our hearts to pray. And so I want to do that. I want to do it right now. I want to pray. And I would encourage you, if you'd like to, come to the front of this altar. Let's just pray. You say, pray about what, preacher? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just pray. Talk to God. Pray. I know there are a lot of things on your heart and mind this evening. <clears throat> Different requests, no doubt, you, you may have. But I encourage you to save those for this moment and pray. and Save for next time too, but pray for them now. I'll ask a few, a few guys to pray tonight, but we just need to pray. We need to pray. Ask God to use us in a mighty way. Use our church and to see it continue moving forward with the gospel for the glory of God. But that has to start in prayer. I want to see God use us in mighty ways. Do you? We can't do it without Him. So we need to pray. You see, our, our pray, praying, our prayers, our dependence upon Him. Too many times we are, live independently of Him. We can't do that. So we need to pray. As James concludes this chapter, he is telling them, folks, look, I, I know what you're going through. I, I know the things you've done, things you've said. He talked about the tongue a lot. But he said, start, start saying this, rather. If you're going to use your, your tongue, you're going to speak, we'll, we'll talk to God. You need to, you need to pray. We need to pray. So I encourage, if you'd like to, to come to the front here, let's kneel down around this altar and let's just pray tonight. Pray for the request on your heart. Maybe somebody might mention them to you before you came in or when you came in this evening. Pray for those. But pray for revival in our church. Pray for the upcoming missions conference. Pray that God will burden our hearts for that. Burden our hearts just to a closer walk with them. Just to be with God. We've got to pray. So I encourage you if you can't.